1: Welcome back to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast. You've got myself, Archie, with Toby and Leo here with you guys today. And lots to talk about in this week in rugby, but we'll start off with a bit of the news that happened. So the big thing we can probably put to rest, Israel Falau, the saga is finalised with a confirmed high-level breach of his code of conduct being handed down, the termination of his contract, which has now exceeded his 72-hour window for him to appeal. I uh, decided against appealing for that. We don't know if we will see Israel Folau on the rugby field again.
2: Sad, um, again, to lose such a great talent. But I guess the the times are as they are, and they're they're making their their firm point about any any type of language or act which is uh, seen as discriminatory and high level code of conduct breach. So everyone knows where they where they stand now, and I guess whether you're. Uh, for the determination, or not, or can see think can see some fault in in the decision making. Um, this is this is kind of the precedent, so it's very interesting to see if it does end up in a in a higher court somewhere at some point. But at the moment, it's very quiet. It doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. It seems like it's done.
0: So they they did indicate that it was going to go to Supreme Court. Have they kind of reneged on that a little bit, or just on quiet?
2: That was a Daily Telegraph article that came out before mm-hmm. they even. Like, okay. went through that 72-hour appeal, so it was definitely, yeah. I think, it might have been a bit of a swing for the fences, trying to call it early, but, uh like, nothing since dead silence. And I don't think Israel's done anything. He's done no. a couple of other posts on his Instagram, which have been kind of yeah. supporting sort of self-case stuff. Like, yeah, it's just, it's has, just gone yeah, quiet. He,
0: he changed his profile picture. It looks like he's kind of focusing on his church work at the moment mm-hmm. yeah. and whether, I, I just don't know where his income's going to be coming from for this year. I mean, he's only just signed this new contract. He didn't receive a payout or anything. So nah. you got you got to think a little bit where he's going to be making money going forward, whether he's just got enough assets and investments going that it's not going to be an issue for him. But it is a big change of lifestyle, I'd imagine.
2: Yeah. Who knows? He might get some speaking gigs.
0: Yeah, well I'm sure everyone would like to hear probably the full story, whether he does an interview at some point, but it is very sad, there's no winners in all this, and it does really show that there's not, you know, one man isn't bigger than the game, and I'm surprised that, I think from the start I was a little bit surprised Rugby Australia took this stance, but I think it probably was the right thing to do in the circumstances.
1: Mm. Speaking of code breaches, and we found out about another one on Saturday afternoon, uh, Tolu Latu has been charged with a DUI uh, driving with a suspended licence uh, he didn't come forward to the team about that but then it was highlighted by the press to Daryl Gibson who was surprised in the least but unfortunately said that he wouldn't have played Tolu Latu but they had no other choice while they were up in Brisbane but it looks like this may be a big hit to Tolu Latu's chance to wear the gold jersey at least this year
2: It seems like saying that particularly Cheka would look very poorly. Upon just that, obviously it's, it's a Saturday morning, so f- off off the back of Friday night, the day before your game.
0: No, 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 no. I think it was Thursday the... morning, so they oh. found out on Saturday. They found out. On so Saturday I think morning. Thursday. Essentially, he was parked near the complex there, so he'd been maybe he'd had some drinks Wednesday night or early Thursday morning, and he was sleeping in his car outside the Waratahs headquarters, I think. Mm-hmm. And so. He managed to keep it quiet and the police hadn't actually, you know, let the Waratahs know or let Rugby Australia know this. So he must have just turned up to training straight away after that and, and no one was the wiser. But then they were informed later on Saturday. So by that time, they didn't have anyone to replace yeah, okay. him up in Queensland. So obviously not great timing. You know, like I've seen Tolu hanging out with Israel. So I reckon this has taken a toll on him. Um He's lost a, a good mate, probably from the team, and Kepu's moving on soon as well. They're very close, so he's probably taking it a bit hard. And I can see, I can see why he would be upset, but it's obviously not we, the right do thing we, to do and deal with that.
2: Have we heard so, any link to that, or are you just making that assumption?
0: Well, from what I've seen and going to the gym around there for quite a while, we used to see them hanging around all the time. Those three having coffees like on a weekly basis. So I think, I think Izzy was probably a bit of a mentor to Tolu.
2: So you think um, there's a chance that he was a bit hard up against, uh, hard up yeah. with the result? Okay, because I haven't read definitely. anything that says that and my mind didn't go there straight away.
0: They made a, a point of Andrew Hawes said that there was no link between this and the Israel-Falao situation, but I think even by saying that, it indicates mm-hmm. that you know there could be
2: Someone some link made. Because,
0: exactly, yeah. So... It's it's sad again, but hopefully he can get back on track and, I don't know, he's probably out of the frame, like you say, Arch, with the World Cup though, or at least the Rugby Championship.
1: Mm. Well, multiple off-field and on-field discipline issues for him, so that really hurts his stocks, I think. Um, In other news, we have the end of an era, George Smith announcing his retirement, uh, starting debuting for the Wallabies back in 2000. Uh, I believe he was hoping to try and get to a new contract for 2020 and try and cross the sort of four-decade sort of span, Um, but unfortunately not given that uh, option, but uh, absolutely great player, iconic player in Australian sport, uh, first sort of world's best sort of open side, I think, and it'll be sad that we, we won't get to see him again.
2: So if you could have in there fit, prime, uninjured, a Pocock or a George Smith,
0: I'd definitely take George Smith
2: Um,
0: in his prime for sure. I think, you know, Pocock, amazing player as well, but I think George Smith was a bit of a trailblazer in that position Mm. Um, and I think really changed the expectations around what an open side flanker can do. And obviously Pocock was the next generation of that player,
1: I think. Mm. Look, obviously different laws than what George Smith has played under in his prime, but... You think he's more or less a bit of a combination of what Hooper and Pocock can do. He is that really yeah. strong over the ball, but he's also an attacking threat uh, and can create sort of yeah. chances himself. So yeah, I think George Smith
0: Yeah, yeah he's no, a kicking game as well, like little grubbers and he was yeah, his interplay with the uh, you know backs and stuff was probably a lot stronger than what Pocock has, but Pocock has developed that um side of his game as well, yeah. but but I think
2: Pocock's become like a straighter ball runner now because maybe from injuries, you know, he's got a lot of had a lot of work on his knees and he's probably yeah. just more carry the ball up and don't get too fancy. Whereas George Smith was everywhere. I remember George Smith just being absolutely everywhere. And that is a bit more of a hooper trait, like, you know, successive rucks and then out wide um yeah. you know, in, interchanging with, with backs. So no congratulations, George Smith. Excellent career and um you know it's it just one of those guys that just went on and on and on and it's pretty amazing to see people doing that this day and age exactly.
0: and, i mean it'd be good if we could actually get some of his you know knowledge and skills back into the coaching ranks at some point i don't know if he's thinking about that it's probably mm. quite soon after he's been playing for bath but hopefully he comes back to australia and, and can get a job working with maybe one of the super rugby teams mm-hmm. at least Well,
1: he was already sort of in and around that Wallabies squad sort of last year, a couple of years ago, as a bit more of a mentor role. So may well see him back. Checkers obviously a fan of having him around. Uh, In other news, we had a bit of a... The third sort of Wallaby camp of the year, so about 40 members uh, attended this camp up in Brisbane. So we don't get a full list, as is the case with all these Wallaby camps, but a few notable names that were noticed around, including... Uh, Chris Folway-Saltia, Cam Clark, and Alex Murphy, uh, the new sort of faces down there, along with people like Jordan Eulisi and Rob Valentini continuing to um, be put in there despite sort of coming back from injuries.
0: What irks me a little bit is that Lock- Lockie McCaffrey keeps being excluded from these camps, and I don't really understand why. I know that he's been injured in the last few games at least, but Rob Valentini's played far less games than even Lockie's played this year, and he continues to be called in to actually be a part of that. And they've been careful this year to actually not even name officially the players being involved with these camps um, because they don't want it to indicate too much, sort of, you know, future selections. But you'd think Lockie McCaffrey's at least earned the right to attend and, you know, start being amongst that set up with, with the form he's shown.
2: Yeah, I. And you're right, they have made it very difficult to get these lists of names. Like, I remember looking the first camp and I could only piece together from, like, basically articles about individuals or a couple of individuals and you start adding the names up on your own list. But yeah, exactly. a guy like McCaffrey, like, he's he's not a household name for a lot of people. He's he's not, um, you know, as... as um, kind of maybe he's, maybe he's harder to market in in one sense because he's just another big white guy. He doesn't sort of have a story behind him. But I think a guy like that who's worked his way into the role he's now got, which is the starting number eight for the Brumbies, he's done so many good things on the field. Wouldn't you want to give him the chance to come into the fold and see if his game elevates even further? Like, n- not but only has he earned the right, but you can't discount that he's worked to get himself to this point and as long as he's fit and healthy like you should see how far he can go because he's well, showing more yeah more on the field and we're we seem to be bankrolling all these guys with potential who can't even stay fit and I, to be honest when i see them on the field i'm i'm not so impressed that i can see what they're seeing
0: like i, I think it's it is fair enough to have rob valentini Bell- in there because he is a player of the future but Lockie McCaffrey arguably was the form number eight in the competition for the first half of Super Rugby. Um, you know, outplaying even guys like Nisarani and Higginbotham. Um, yeah. and,
2: and that's you what know, I was going to Waratars, mention, Higginbotham. Like heaps yeah. of people in our, in our poll, which Archie I'm sure will talk a bit about later. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are supporting Scott Higginbotham and that's a guy with massive potential. We see it a lot at Super Rugby level when he's on. He's amazing. And... Like but he's never been
0: able to step it up, I guess. For the that's Walsies, right. But, and maybe that's you know. what they're
2: afraid, of. maybe they think he's a super rugby specialist. But mm. like, when McCaffrey has McCaffrey has had more consistent performances in the last season and a half than Scott Higginbottom. and he's had more yeah, of an definitely. impact. He's been that wide-ranging guy with like tricky offloads and and just he's you know all over the place doing a lot of really great stuff, keeping his team moving forward. So disappointing that a guy like that doesn't get a chance.
0: The other guy, I think, Carmichael Hunt hasn't been called in yet.
2: No. Um, yet.
0: But I think that's still based on some of his indiscretions, and Checker really wants him to earn that place if he's going to get it. But you'd like to see him probably in there at some point. I'd say in the broader mm-hmm. squad, given his form as well.
1: Yeah, you would. What What are your thoughts on the fact that Chris Foulway, Soty, and Cam Clark included? I assume probably more as wingers. I think that's probably more a bit of a testament to the, the fact that there's not really any wingers that have really stood up. Um, Maddox earlier in the season than the last few weeks has definitely been a bit flatter, and no one else has really put on a consistent form or showing there. I think the the wing spots are really open for these out-and-out wingers, because at the moment these utility and full-backs might be <clears throat> taking those roles, the Hodges, the DHPs.
0: Yeah, I think Fairway saw Tr. I wouldn't be surprised if they're still thinking about him at thirteen if they're going to play Samu. I know that TK would be, you know, the leader in that position at the moment. But if he he were to go down, they could work that combination a bit more, given the strength they've had, you know, with that at the Reds. But Cam Clark, for me, he's just been in good form. He's just a solid player. Doesn't make many mistakes. He's got a good bit of pace. He's really fit. And he's made some really important tackles over the last few weeks as well. I've noticed, so he's standing up at the right times in these in these games, and he did another one on the on the weekend against the Reds where he held up
1: Alex Murphy. I remember the play
0: yeah. yeah he held up Murphy, yeah so i I don't know I think it's um it's tough because maybe they're not the typical guys you would be picking at this stage in the season, but I can see some logic to it.
2: It's, it's It feels like a bit of reward for effort. And, yeah, FOSIT has got this combination with Karevi. I, he's still down the pecking order for me, but um, certainly worth developing because it seems like there's something there. Although we think we're going to lose Karevi from Australian rugby, it like, would be nice to see that combination keep going. But anyway, um, and then Cam Clark, like you said, decision-making of wingers, like... In some ways, like your thirteen, does a huge job in defence, calling the line and, and kind of sliding or or setting on players. But often it's it's those counter attacks or that that quick sort of edge to edge stuff from the opposition. The wingers then suddenly having to make a decision: am I going to come in on this guy and and try and shut it down, or am I going to hold out and potentially have him come inside, uh, like you know, run an inside <laughs> line? And my my. Inside man's not going to be able to cover him. What am I going to do? And you see people get it wrong pretty regularly. And Cam yeah. Clark is making some pretty good decisions at the moment. Like, I think Curtis uh, Rona makes those sort of mistakes. Henry Spate makes those sort of mistakes. Marika yeah. can probably be a bit overconfident that he can shut it down, and sometimes he doesn't quite get there. Sefa Valu I've seen make those mistakes. Like, these are all the guys who are in around the fringe, and maybe Cam Clark has just shown enough um, that he's got a, a, a good... Good judgment, good enough judgment yeah, to, to take take that over some other things where they're all a bit sort of in parity.
0: Well, it's in contrast to Jack Maddox, who's struggled defensively. Mm. Um, and I would say that Cam Clark's probably not a game-breaker, but at the top level, and he showed this in sevens as well with his positional play, he's just not going to let you down. Mm. And maybe that's what Checker wants on one of the wings, you know, someone that's just dependable, he's going to be everywhere. And he's not gonna go missing for periods of a game. Whereas some of these more attacking wingers, like Maddox, like Corobidi, you know, they can go missing at stages of the game or just make, you know, a few mistakes now and then.
2: And and also what is most easily trained or developed? If judgment is really hard to redevelop, then you take the guy with judgment and you develop the other skills. But maybe you've got some guys that are out and out attacking forces, and you can't really turn them down. You're going to struggle uh, improving their judgment and decision making because it's kind of it's almost a hardwired trait by that point in their their age. I mean, these are fully developed adults, right? Mm. So I don't know. I don't know if that's the case, but I, I certainly see that as an angle which maybe they appreciate.
1: Yeah, Cam Clark's definitely like the hundred percent opposite of Henry Spate, isn't he?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, and that's what we want.
1: Hair. it's like check has been burnt before by like a bad relationship with this these attacking wingers, and he's now on the rebound, and he's gone to these fully safe, dependable, He, re- he reminds good boy, me, Cam me Clark. of
0: someone exactly. <laughs> Speaks like a boyfriend.
2: Someone, Cam Clark's a husband.
0: <laughs> he just like he reminds me of a guy that played for Wales. This is a hard-running, direct winger that just you know does it does everything right at the right times and doesn't really stand out too much, but it depends who we select on the other wing as well. That's going to come into it, yeah. how the backline's actually the makeup of that backline.
1: Just before we start getting into it, as Leah mentioned, we do have a poll up, and that's for your Wallabies team. Uh, it's been going on on our Instagram at the Running Rugby Podcast, so jump on there and you'll get to vote. We're through round two, just doing the forwards, so if you get on uh, tonight when this is coming out, you'll be able to see the last of the forwards, but the backs will be coming up over the next couple of days and hopefully by the end of next week we'll have that team finalised. We'll see what your Wallabies 15 looks like compared to what we think. But let's get into the weekend action and we had round 14 and we'll start with our players of the round. And Leo, why don't you start us off?
2: I'll start us off with with a man who's been playing rugby for a very long time. He was celebrating his 38th birthday uh, the same week as this game. And that's uh, Shock Brits for the Bulls, and they had a, an upset win over the Rebels on the weekend at the Rebels' house. Um, we actually I, I re-listened to our um, our previews last week, and Toby, you actually half called this. You obviously didn't tip it, but you were the one who could see the upset here. And um, there are a few see it players.
0: Too. <laughs> Archie, did, Archie did comments on the Fords and the the makeup of that Ford pack yeah. for the Rebels, but I. I, I was the most
2: bullish on the rebels. Yeah, not to not to make a pun, but but yeah, we actually we this one and the <laughs> even the hurricanes haguaros. Archie was very bullish on the haguaros, and again we didn't tip them, but we, we were kind of we were seeing it. But anyway, I digress. Um, key players for the bulls were um, Snyman and Shark Brits and Dwayne Vermeulen. and and Brits yeah. was just everywhere, and you know really consistent set piece where obviously the hooker is critical. He was aggressive, he looked as young and, and energetic as any of the other guys out there. And um, good on him, like 38-year-old guy who's played all over the world, comes back and 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 puts these you know, the potential top of the Australian conference in in their place. Um, it's just very impressive and, and um definitely a useful leader for that team because those guys like Snyman and Brits and Various other guys in that full pack, quite young, um, so Vermeulen and 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 like they they need that that leadership. So I think um shopbritz is a deserving Player of the Round this week.
0: Leo, yeah, good call on that. I I would have to say Bernard Foley for me. He scored 25 points in a good win for the Waratahs. They really needed this win. His kicking was on point. He's uh, he scored a try. He was he was everywhere in this one, and I can see him really coming back into form. At the right time, I think, because early on in the year, everyone was calling for Quade Cooper to be play, playing at five half for the Wallabies, and now I think the picture's changing a little bit, and we're we're seeing the quality that that Foley has. It's just taken him a little bit longer this season to get going.
1: Hmm. I think I think you're right. He's definitely turned a corner, and I think you can partly attribute a bit of that to having Kurtley Beale in at fifteen, sort of coming back into that second playmaker and dropping out a little bit, that's sort of pushed him a bit to the forefront. But he seems to be, yeah, taking hold of that opportunity and seems to be playing really well.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think Kirtley, again, didn't have a proper off-season. He came in probably a little bit heavy, I think, and not as fit as he usually was, um, you know, early on in the season. But... I think that move to fullback really has forced his hand to be a little bit fitter, a bit, a bit more switched on. And he's really taken, um, you know, the game, he's taking these games with both hands, and that's made Foley step up as well. So it's almost like they've kind of shaken each other out of a bit of a, a rut that they were in early on in the season. And even though they didn't get those wins over in South Africa, I do see the TARS still being a threat now that they're still in the mix for finals. I think if they've got that carrot in front of them, they can still really switch on and, and come good late in the season because they did it last year as well.
1: Mm, it would definitely be a, a close race. For my, For myself, I have a player from that same game, uh, but another hooker, and it's partly on the back of uh, the news about Tolu Latu, but I think Alex Murphy stood up on the weekend in terms of his open field play, didn't lose a line-out. The Waratahs did get a couple of scrum penalties on the Reds, which was uh, a bit unlikely and unexpected, but Alex Murphy showed... I think that he has the calibre to take it to the next level and you saw him towards the end of the game. Toby already mentioned he did get held up over the line by Cam Clark and a good tackle, but then only a few minutes later was out on the wing and showed that he can take a high ball and get across that line. So he's trying to step up to where Israel foulful hours left us a bit lacking on that high ball on the wing. But Alex Murphy, I think a name that we'll see in and around that Wallaby camp.
0: It's strange because I noticed him a few weeks ago and I hadn't paid a lot of attention to him before because I was you know, I was a bit of a fan of BPA, particularly last year. Um, but he just really hasn't shown the form that he did last year. So Murphy's taken the opportunity to start and he's held on to that position. And he seems to be everywhere around the field. He's got really good aggression. Um, so in the same kind of mould as Tolu in that way, seems like he's a strong scrummager. He's decent at line-out time. He's probably got to work on that a little bit. But his general play is excellent. And, yeah, I think he's a real chance to, to be on the bench for the Wallabies, perhaps. Mm-hmm.
2: He's a he's another one of these more involved hookers in, in terms of, like, back line play. Like, he's a linking forward. He's passing. He's, and he's beating defenders and, and breaking the line, which, you know, getting that front football on for the Reds, that's that's all important stuff. So I agree with that. Another Good to see another young hooker. Uh, stepping up to an opportunity.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important because Palotta now is still. Last few years, he hasn't been in excellent form like he was perhaps early on in his career. So I think it's important that we've got these young hookers coming through. And I think BPA falling off a little bit, you least, he's still not playing at the top level in super rugby. So there is a bit of. You know, obviously Tolu not in the mix really at the moment. Mm. There is a, a bit of room there for someone new to come in, and he seems to be really taking it with both hands.
1: Yep, definitely. Well, let's let's get into the round 14 action, and we'll start with the that aforementioned Rebels-Bulls game that Leah was talking about. And this was the Rebels at home, and another loss to a South African team at home, uh, which is really hurting them. They had the opportunity to take back first spot in the conference if they got a win here, but couldn't quite do it. They were sort of even in the first half, but... Second half, Bulls sort of ran away with it. The Rebels losing this one, seventeen
2: to thirty-two. And to me, the Bulls look like they they changed their mentality a bit, which is something we we pointed out that the previous week they they'd just been a team all about kicking penalties and taking points. Yeah. This week, they definitely went for the throat. They went for tries. They uh, they only kicked two penalty goals in this game, and they scored uh, four tries. So. Um, Definitely, definitely switched it on, and the forwards were really impressive. Already went through those guys with the Player of the Round, but the backs linked up well as well. Andre Pollard was was there, sort of slicing through the line and, and setting guys up pretty regularly. In the same week where we hear he's signed on and he's and he's leaving next year, he, he really shows what he's what he's made of, and I think you're definitely looking at your <laughs> definitely looking at your spring box fly half there. Yeah. Um, Look, just yeah. just sublime, really, and and the Rebels, for all their frenetic counter-attacking, lots of offloads, they also made a lot of errors, and they just couldn't couldn't get the ball to stick in hands, um, couldn't keep up with this Bulls team, which is, and the the forwards were just monstering them regularly. And another thing we did talk about in our preview was was the the lack of grunt in in the Rebels forwards, and the Toby mentioned the lack of combinations uh, with this this mix of Hardwick and Leota and. You know, seeing Dane hallett Petty in the second row. Sorry, not Dane hallett um Ross at Petty in the second row. Like, just not the solid, um, gelled uh, Rebels pack mm. from previous weeks. Mm. And, it, and it seems like it made a pretty big difference.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a real shame for the Rebels because they're mirroring what happened to them last year. They had a really hot start and then quite a few losses in a row. And they've really let these other Australian teams back into the mix now in terms of topping the table. we have seen the Brumbies rise up, the Waratahs are coming too. The Rebels really need to turn things around quickly or they're not going to feature in the playoffs.
1: They need to have another look at their sort of game plan for, because in this game, in the first quarter, they had about five or so line outs, five metres out from the Bulls line, kept trying to maul it over and over again and it just wasn't working against a bigger Bulls pack that, as you said, had had much more combinations than what this Rebels pack was having. And they just continued to persist with it and they've been criticised for having such an all-star back line wallabies in every single position and yet not sort of making use of that, not putting that to to put that, putting that to effect I think they need to look at themselves and need to change it up and whether that is uh, changing a little bit from that really flat sort of game plan of doing, taking a few steps out and shifting their point of attack a little bit more because they just didn't seem to learn that after that first quarter throughout the rest of the game, even in the final quarter, they were still trying to go for these Sort of rolling more tries against a bull's defense that just wasn't having it,
0: yeah, I think they play because they play that flat, the room for you know, error is so slight that if you're a little bit off, teams rush up, they can shut you down pretty easily, you have no time to make decisions, and you know when Quade's having a great game, that's fine, but if he's a little bit hesitant and if his confidence is down, it just completely destroys the operation of this back line, and it is a shame because they have so much talent there.
2: You're picking up on one thing that the Bulls did definitely focus on. They were all over Genia and all yeah. over Quaid. They were they made a really big effort to disrupt those guys. You know, to the point where they were pushing Genia around off the ball. You know, it was a bit of a bully tactic. But you know, it's it's the Achilles heel of this Rebels side at the moment. When when um, somehow when when you can disrupt those two, when they don't rise to the occasion and and sort of lead the team back. They definitely, like, there's no one else doing it. And, and again, with the forwards not at full strength, it wasn't going to come from there. It really probably needed to be Genier and Quaid, but the Bulls just suffocated them and, and pushed them around and got them frustrated. And Genia played, I think, through to almost the 70th minute. He played mm-hmm. a lot of this game trying to get them back into it. Uh, couldn't do it. So yeah. uh, an effective tactic against one of the top Australian teams. Uh, it's going to be pretty... Obvious there for everyone to see for these remaining games. Yeah, so. the thing
0: is, I think if you if you add in Luke Jones, if you add in Nicerani, and you get back Adam Coleman, mm-hmm. that forward pack is vastly different, mm-hmm. and it's a lot more dominant. They're three really key guys um, that they didn't have, and they were all
2: injured, weren't they?
0: I believe so. I don't think any yeah. of them were rested. I mean, no,
2: they were I'm all not injured. Sure what Luke so.
0: Jones? I didn't know what happened to Luke Jones, but I know obviously <laughs> Coleman picked up an injury, and I think Nicerani the same. So. You'd have to think Luke Jones wouldn't be rested given he's not no, a certain wasn't wall- injury, Wallaby yeah. either. So, um, yeah, it's hmm. a shame they didn't have those guys because these are the games they should be winning at home. Um, it's, yeah, it's going to be really tough. I think, look, they can still do it. They're right in the mix there, but they do need to make sure that they, they finish really strong.
2: I'm sure they would have had those guys playing if they're available because you're playing the top of the uh, the South African Conference. And, you know, we're in a state now where the Australian teams, the best Australian team, is equivalent to about third in New Zealand and fourth in South mm-hmm. Africa. So we're, we're almost cannibalizing ourselves. Um, mm. We managed, you know, in the Derby, someone's got to win, but we're not winning anything outside that if we're only putting yeah. our strongest teams against ourselves, our own conference games. Mm.
0: It's just if you have Philip Coleman and then you put in – Jones at 6, which I think is obviously his best position, and then Cottrell moves back to 7, and Nyserani's there at the back. That's such a good forward pack, like back yeah. 5. I'm still probably not sold on their front row, but I think Rangi's very good. I think he's probably underrated at the moment. Yeah. Because um, he does do a lot of good stuff around the field, but their prop's probably not I think quite they're, up to standard.
1: Ainsley and Teterra Faulkner are reasonable enough scrummagers. whether they're open yeah. field players good enough, but True. Mm. At that's least they point. give a stable base in the scrum, which I think is...
2: I think that's what they're yeah. there for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're not looking for those guys to be mm. super active in general play.
1: Yeah, but the Rebels are... Uh, I mean, they've got four games left. They've got the Sunwolves, and the Waratahs at home, and then the Crusaders and the Chiefs. So, last two rounds are going to be very difficult for them, so they really need to capitalise and get some points in these next two, I think. Whereas the Bulls... Traveling.
2: Travelling to the Sunwolves, travelling to the Waratahs, travelling no, no. to the Crusaders. We no, playing, Waratahs
1: at home. Yeah, playing the Waratahs back in Melbourne.
2: Are you sure? Yep, we're going yeah. to the oh, game.
1: Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, okay. No, fair enough, because, okay, the I website, yeah, he has it wrong, it yeah. has them both playing away. Sorry. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's weird. Mm. That's the, yeah, the app I was using, mm. Union Live. Okay.
0: Yeah, because I think they've already gone to Japan, so they're over there now preparing this week, but they'll be back. The following week So
2: whereas,
1: whereas the Bulls go back to the top Of the South African Conference Other game was the reds Warrior's, which I think everyone Can agree was a very entertaining game The Warriors did take this one 40-32 but High class play from both teams A lot of running rugby, a lot of try scoring uh, In the end the Waratahs Again won out Probably on the back of a solid performance from Bernard Foley
0: and it was tit for tat wasn't it like I mean Hegarty stood up as well scoring that try individually like I was surprised that he's having his best season to date by far I think and maybe it's because he's staying fit he he struggled with injuries early on in his career but he's really like leading that Reds back line pretty well and shows a bit more pace than I gave him credit for previously like he's looked Mm -hmm. really good
2: he definitely played well in this game it's Unfortunate that he kicked so poorly. I think they left about ten points worth of conversions mm. out there, it's hitting um, every
1: post multiple times. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, I mean, not much in it, but it's it's always the small things that add up. And, and two points here and there. They only lost by eight. So, um, yeah, but it was a very good back and forth game. It wasn't. It wasn't a uh, like a traditional uh, bash. Of you know red versus blue, which is really good. This is this is the type of uh, match that, for a long time, I've always been frustrated that the teams would just try and beat each other up and and smash each other off the park. Like there was something to be gained from just bruising the other team more than mm. they bruise you. But this is much more open and expansive and a bit more um, risk taking. And and again, Foley in in his position. Taking a lot more of that first receiver ball because Beal's at fullback, so he's just not in the same space to share it as much. I think that's been uh, probably the the sole benefit of Falau being out. Uh, we get to well, having said that, actually, and Alex Newsom, I thought was quite good too, and mm. he's been um, you know fighting for that other wing spot. When falau has been around, he hasn't been able to get it. Um, definitely now, it's it's um, his for the taking. I think he's definitely uh, superseded Rona. Yeah, um, A few weeks ago in my eyes yeah, So just, yeah, no, good, good play from both sides
1: Yeah, just doing that little stuff Like popping up in the middle of the field To take the offload off Phipps to score a try And things, doing that Popping up in unexpected places And that's what happens with uh, good wingers they, they aren't just parked out there on the wing Waiting for the final pass to score a try They go hunting for work Which I think both of these Newsom and Clark tend to do a fair bit which, which is definitely good
0: And how good was that offload from Karevi? down the right oh, there. That was, like some of the play yeah
1: yeah I mean we could say it every week and we can because Karevi still hasn't been rested this year but he does stuff like that and it's just absolutely amazing and he gets he gets through Foley and draws two other defenders and you can see him he just sees out of the corner of his eye almost adjusts the ball in his hand so he can do this sort of out of the back sort of offload and just lays the ball up for Jock Campbell to go in and score his debut Super Rugby try but yeah, if, if, And
0: Karevi, he he used to do that. And he might do that, you know, 50% of the time he'd, he'd drop it or something. Like, he's mm. just cut out those errors that he used to have in his game. And he looks a lot more reliable. Um, and I think that'll give Checker a lot of confidence looking towards picking him at 12. Mm.
2: This game was actually very low on errors generally, too. Like, Karevi obviously... Mm. But, yeah. but both teams, both teams really tuned it up, and there weren't many penalties. No, ten like, penalties that's in That's why the total it flowed so well. Mm. Yeah, um, there are a few turnovers. Like, if anything, um, the set pieces were a bit, a bit dodgy for both sides. Waratahs lineouts were a bit dodgy, and and red scrums were a bit dodgy. Um, but but generally speaking, it was a pretty pretty good game from both teams. Uh, the only thing that concerns me is just week to week our our rate of missed tackles for our Australian sides, just is too high. Like, we're missing 1 in 6, 1 in 7. There's teams out there that are missing 1 in 10, 1 in 12. Um, you know, you, yeah. you, you treat that like how many phases do we need to play before the, the contact area, there's, there's a missed tackle. Well, if, if teams only have to get to five, six, seven phases against Australian teams... Before we start seeing, statistically, we start seeing a missed tackle come in. Mm. That's a concern when we have to play out to 12 phases against a Crusaders or an All Blacks type team. And how often do we do that? So um, good to have a free-flowing game, but still want to see um, the solid defense and those one-on-one tackles. Mm. There's a lot that comes into that. It's not just the guy one-on-one. It's you know the structures and the communication. But yeah. um, we had two full-strength teams here, so I don't feel like the structure and communication were at fault.
0: And that feeds into the Wallabies, definitely. You know, we've had trouble with the Wallabies' defense for the last two years or so. Um, I think Nathan Gray has been retained, hasn't he, for the Wallabies? Um,
2: in no changes, only
0: Larkin and well. So, Yeah. So it's um, it's definitely a concern. Um, we just can't be leaking points like we do. And I know we can score points. A lot of these teams, like the Rebels, the Tars, even the Reds now, we've seen them score a lot more points in games. But... We can't be leaking 30 points a game to so an opposition. It's just unacceptable.
1: One other positive to note before we head off. Um, um, Reds 15, Matt McGowan, who was on his Super Rugby debut, actually had a good game, uh, some good kicking, left footer.
0: And he's passed that pass, quick hands. Yeah, left there. Just, yeah quick
1: pass, yeah, straight across to get the um, Reds set up for one of their tries as well. Um, and the crossfield kick to Alex Murphy as well. So, a few good touches from him, and I reckon he'll be a bit of an up-and-comer, especially uh, if the Reds have to cope for a, a few weeks without um, people like Isaac Lucas on the bench. I'm um, not sure. Is
0: that, in, is that any relation to Tony McGann, the coach in Melbourne, former uh, head coach for the Rebels?
1: I don't believe so. I believe uh, his dad no, no, no. was a rugby league player. Um, yeah. Okay. And the NRL, Yeah, so don't think it's... Don't they, think they it's it tends to that, be much.
0: the way in Queensland there's quite a few of those guys that have gone into some of the private schools up there and they tend to play rugby before they play league maybe and mm. get set in rugby. Uh, it's good to see though.
2: Yeah. It was good as well just on that arch. like You, you picked him out and, and he's had his opportunity and... Like we talked about last week with some of the New Zealand teams, those guys seem to be when they come in on their debut, they seem they to be well ready. supported yeah. by the guys around them, and they fit in, and they don't need to be hidden. They can just play their role. And um, McGann definitely played his role in this game. He wasn't quiet. He was. He was actually quite involved. He he had the ball in his hands a lot, and he and he did some good things. And that's that's the sign that the breast of the back line is settled, and and um, he can just slot in and play a role and not need to be not need to have other guys compensating for him so that's mm-hmm. that's a real positive maybe that's something the Reds have achieved that other Australian sides haven't quite achieved you see someone like Mac Mason come in try and do the number 10 role and it all kind of falls apart at times but didn't didn't see the same thing for the Reds mm-hmm.
1: Still feel bad for Mac Mason, I think he did, I did, to, too. Serve, I did. to just cop everything. Of a scapegoat. Yeah, definitely.
2: Definitely definitely more to see from Mac Mason. But mm. but it is. It's the environment you put them into is yeah. uh, they might be ready, but if they don't get the support, then uh, that's that's a sign of the rest of the back line being a bit immature.
1: Yeah. Let's go through some of these other games and we won't spend too long on these, but uh, as we sort of <laughs> mentioned a little bit earlier team, Hurricanes losing to the Hagiwara is twenty eight points to twenty and the Hagiwires are now the first non New Zealand team to beat the Hurricanes in Wellington since twenty fifteen. So big scout for them uh, coming on tour, and we saw them have a really successful tour last year and they've now gone one and one. they put back their sort of full strength lineup here and the Hurricanes more or less had a full strength team other than Bowden Barrett in there. And the Hagiwires just showed that they could attack from anywhere and put pressure and dominance in the hurricane, against the Hurricanes forwards and their backs, I would say, pretty much man-for-man man, almost out, outplayed the Hurricanes.
0: Definitely. I mean, Ge- Geordie did some good things in this game, but then he did a Billy Slater and hit the ball out the back and got yeah. yellow-carded uh. and penalty try. So that, that really, I think, disrupted the, the Hurricanes a bit. But, you know, you'd think a team of this quality, I think Bowden does make a massive difference, him not being there, but... Haguaras did show a bit of quality in this, and you can see why I think they're going to be a threat um, in the finals if they can hold on.
2: I think Aguero's were absolutely well, yeah, were great in this game. And to be honest, the scoreline flatters the Hurricanes to a degree because they, they scored a converted try very late in this game, like 81st minute. Um, so really this this was sort of a 13-28 um, for, for the last 15 or so in this game. And... Um, they they do not look like the same team. They start looking like that bunch of individuals lacking direction without Bowden. And I don't even think Bowden's hand when he is there is is dominant. It's not like he's taking every first you know every first pass and delivering every single um, line breaking flat mm. ball or anything. It's just it's just that settled stability. It I, I'd say. From the outside looking in, it, it, it feels like a communication thing like he's just there organizing and, and making sure that what you know all these individuals all the guys outside him are in the right spot to make the most of the opportunities. and that's something which the great players have and you don't get often from your, your backup, your substitute um, and and they just didn't didn't look right and they couldn't recover when they got blown out early.
0: Yeah, it does probably change the way Geordie plays a little bit, though. And given they have La Marpie and Proctor there in the centres, they're not particularly ball-playing centres. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is important that you do have a 10 really controlling the game, even if he's not receiving the ball at first receiver all the time. But, yeah, the Canes, is, they, again, they can score points, but they need to be switched on. They need to have direction there in that back line to really unleash. Um, and they didn't really show that here.
2: And we've mentioned before that they're probably their forwards are the weaker side of this team and yeah. the Haguaris certainly have a very strong mobile physical forward pack and I reckon, Arch, that's something you would have seen a lot of you always yeah. commenting on the back rowers for that side. that Very busy.
1: Definitely, and I think I think the next couple of teams for the Haguaris need to watch out because I just have a feeling they're going to continue a bit of this role. Um, whether it's this weekend against the Waratahs, uh, or the weekend after versus the Reds, I'd definitely be on, on watch. Um, let's keep moving, and the other game, Blues at home had the, hosted the Chiefs, and the Blues who, we most would argue the season has become a little bit more disappointing in recent weeks, had a good win again at home, uh, 23 to 8, it was only close really for the first quarter of this game, but Blues continued to pile on the pressure, and uh, Chiefs, the magic wasn't quite there this week that's just allowed them to um, outshine a lot of their opposition in the past month or so I
2: was yeah, really surprised but, the Blues were as good as they were when guys like Tom Robinson were on the bench Like they they weren't even what I thought was their strongest side but they'd just been so good at home
0: Yeah because Papa Lee started at 6 I think, yeah, yeah. he was really good but Yeah, keeping Tom Robertson out It might be because he's he's still coming back from an injury, I think, from a couple of weeks ago. But, yeah, the Blues, they do have a lot of talent there. They just seem to be able to put it together in this one. I thought the Chiefs, I don't know, I just had a feeling the Chiefs wouldn't be up to it. Um, The Blues, you know, even the Uani brothers weren't that involved. They weren't too dominant in this game. But the other guys seemed to step up. Nanai at the back still... You guys sold on him. I'm not too sure if he's a long-term option for the Blues at 15, but they do have a lot of talent in that back line, as do the Hurricanes. So it's similar um, dynamic in that. You just need someone controlling them. And Mm. um, Terry Black was on the bench in this one, wasn't he? They had Harry Plummer Plummer starting, so they're still
1: oscillating between those two at 10. And I think it's hard to comment on Nanai in terms of Trying to get involved a bit more, sort of in their play to play, and not just counter attack because it's probably a bit mm. hard when it's changing every week to know sort of where True. it should be running, and it's no no mm. consistency for a lot of these outside backs.
2: He definitely yeah, does make the most hay coming from deep and out of space. Like yeah. that's him you know, and Rico. You are
1: combining like on counter attack is always yeah. always a threat.
0: Good to see Sam Kane coming back on yeah. this one off the bench. From a broken neck, so he's back in the frame for all-back selection.
1: Yeah, and he'll be very keen to get back into it and, and prove a little bit that he's still got what it takes. He's got a bit of competition, though, as we've seen these these Chiefs, especially their back rowers, have been standing up really well in the last couple of weeks. But yeah, very good to see Sam Kane coming back in.
0: Yeah, I, the Chiefs just—I think it can only last so long with the amount of injuries they've had and the fact they have to change their, and shuffle their forward pack around every single week, it seems. Um, yeah. There's not really a lot of consistency there. And even though we've got, um, you know, Mackenzie, the brother of Mackenzie,
2: I've forgotten his first name. Marty. Now. Marty. Uh, Marty McKenzie. <laughs> the Forgettable McKenzie. McKenzie, He's, McKenzie you know, the lesser. He
0: does a serviceable job, but they do rely on some of the other guys really being those creative, you know, Influences, I guess, in that back line. Mm-hmm. Alamalo is real. I find him to be a really good player, but if he's, if he's not on, if he's not having a good day, it can, can go a little bit pear-shaped yeah. for him as well. Um, Chiefs don't, I don't know. They, they were still talking up their playoff hopes. I don't see it personally, but you know, they've surprised us before.
1: Yeah. I don't think that they're really in that, in that mix for the playoffs now, especially with
2: that loss. They barely had any ball in this game though. Like, the blues did a good job of keeping the ball and and minimizing their opportunities hmm. so like if if you give if you give teams an equal amount of ball obviously the chiefs are still suffering a lot of guys injured and and a lot of change each week that they, they they weren't really set up to to do much in this game because they didn't have enough ball to to actually yeah you know, convert and and um, it's just, like, the, the turnovers, guys like, you want to see Anton Leonard Brown. When, when things are a bit uh, off, you want to see him with a bit more ball, um, you know, taking it up to the line. And, and again, he barely had it. Like, the Blues just held the ball. The, the, the Chiefs didn't get the opportunities mm-hmm. they needed.
0: I think that's the problem. They almost rely on guys like that too much. And when he does have a good game, they play really well, and they seem to really step up as a team. But if he has a bit of a quieter one, then it seems that there's not quite the, the guys there in that back line to step up and, and you know, continue that quality of play. But, yeah, I did, look, the Chiefs, they've probably surpassed expectations again in terms of, um, you know, a lot of the players they haven't had around. And the Blues have let us down a little bit, but they seem to be still able to produce some good performances on their day. Mm. Um but, yeah, that, the New Zealand conference really isn't quite as strong as it has been in, in some previous years. And I think, as we've talked about, rotations come into that, resting players for the World Cup this year. But this we've seen the Crusaders now three draws on their their season this year. The Hurricanes have been a little bit up and down. So there's vulnerabilities there. And I think that bodes really well for for the Australian and also the South African teams and maybe even the Hagwaris.
1: Uh, the Chiefs only have three games left in this season now, one of them versus the Crusaders, which, I mean, um, on the recent week's form, you'd probably push for a draw between those two because they, they're the two that seem to keep doing it this season. Uh, but I think yeah, it's exactly. yeah, it definitely makes it tough for them to any hope of playoffs at the moment. Let's go to South Africa, and uh, the Lions were hosting the Highlanders. In a high-scoring affair, 38-29 to the Lions taking this, but yet another... Another game that's sort of dominated by this talk of how many penalties that teams get versus how many teams um, penalties the South African home team gets. In this one, Lions only conceding three penalties, so that's three games this year where they've um, conceded three or less penalties at home.
0: Is Egon seconds on the line. I've- I forget whether he was in this one, but who's uh, on the he whistle? He wasn't refereeing. No, it was Ruster. So it was, Ruster um, was Ruster.
1: Ruster was refereeing. I don't actually recall seeing Egon Seconds. Yeah, there. Weird,
0: weirdly, Egon Seconds this week is running the line in Canberra, so <laughs> don't know why we're investing money to fly him over to Australia to referee a game on the, you know, or be a part of the refereeing <laughs> contingent. It's a bit strange, but um, yeah, they they there's been a few articles written about this in terms of, I think it's about 50%. The, the visiting teams in South Africa have about 50% as many penalties awarded in their favour
2: yeah,
0: compared to the home South Korean team. So
2: is that, is that not reflected in Australia and like New an Zealand? Like,
0: yeah, exactly. You'd have to look at it across the board. Like, but they it don't give you that information. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you can find it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it's in that article or not, but it's quite a dramatic comparison it to these, these teams getting the benefit of the whistle consistently in South Africa. And I think some, particularly in Ellis Park, the Lions have enjoyed a lot of that success.
2: There's some TMO stuff in the next game too, which I'm sure we'll cover. Oh, but it, we will. You, you, can't, you can't rely on like all that sort of... You can't rely on the penalties, right? You've got to... You've you've got to play your own game. You you can't expect one way or the other because you change you'll change what you're doing too much. The referees get the captains or the or the leadership groups together before the game. They say this is how we're going to ref. The team has a chance to talk about what they're going to focus on and anything that might be a bit borderline. Like that that conversation happens every week with every team and, and set of referees. So um, I think you've got to go in. You've got to make your case to them. You're gonna you know. The Italians did it back when they did that crazy offside type, no, not offside stuff against England. They, they gave them a heads up and the referee knew it was coming. Is, is it a communication issue when we're going over are we having trouble communicating with these referees? I mean, most of them, they're, think, all, they're all speaking perfectly good English. There's, there's not really a language barrier there. It's, it's just what their I expectations...
0: The, I think the atmosphere comes into it. There's probably quite a few hostile crowds over there in South Africa and whether that influences the referee... Maybe. Um Or just the opposition team, whether they get frustrated, whether they get intimidated, who knows. But these teams now, it's not an excuse by any means, but it is a bit of a startling statistic if that is different from, say, five years ago, if that's mm. changed a lot. Whether it, that could be the case for 15 years, it might be the same. I'm not sure. We'd have to look
2: at it properly. But Five years ago, bit... didn't we have the, we the neutral... you didn't get the home? Yeah, yeah neutral, neutral referees. Yeah. So that would be I... interesting. Has I, it changed I personally think refs are all changed?
0: the quality of South African refs at the moment, apart from, I mean, I don't really like Yako Piper, but I think he's often, you know, fairly on point with the way he referees. Egon Seconds and Rasta, I'm not sure they're up to it. They haven't been selected for the World Cup.
2: A couple a of other the guys other are doing a right NBA, job, but often overlook things rather than being too heavy yeah. on penalties, being bad decisions. They just miss things. Miss, yeah. miss the odd um, sort of ruck infringement or, or even mm-hmm. a flat forward pass.
0: And every, every country of referees is going to have a different style of what they look for more often than not. Obviously, they're, they're following the same rule book, but their interpretation of the game is going to be slightly different. And you see that with Northern Hemisphere referees as well. They referee the game slightly differently. Mm. But whether that punishes the away team on a consistent basis, you'd have to think no. Um, but maybe we just need to be better at, at playing smarter over there in South Africa and not asking for any favours in, you know, in complaining about refereeing style.
1: Mm. I mean, there's not asking for any favours, and I think we'll probably get into this next game with the Stormers-Crusaders tying at 19 all, And there's also a feeling like maybe the you're being a little bit targeted because you had the Crusaders uh, being denied a try in this one. Um, with ten minutes to go, that would have put them out in front, which probably outrageous. would have won them the game. Which was, I mean, Just, I, it drifted forward. So it no,
2: was. So no, okay. no. Let, let me, let me, let me put you through what I saw in this. Sure. Because sure. I, I didn't see this game live, but this is the piece that I went back and watched over and over and over. Now, if I give you a hypothetical, I think I think you should be able to give me a clear answer. If I'm if I'm running the ball. If I'm heading forward down the field, not going sideways, I'm running forward, and I throw and I pass the ball, it's a physics lesson. and and as I am running up the field, I continue running, I don't stop and pro- and prop up or anything. as i as I continue forward, the ball loses ground. so i'm I'm running effectively, relatively speaking, the player is outrunning the ball. Hmm. The ball must have gone backwards relative to the player and his hands. Because if I throw, if I can't, yeah, you're run saying it if he has a consistent field forward, hands, I will throw it in front yeah. of myself. Yeah, Braden Enor is running, he's, he's running a bit of an arc line, but he straightens up as he passes and he continues to outrun that ball. Yeah, so yes, the ball relative to the field travels forward, but we know that the rule is out of the hands. And if the player who delivered the ball it outruns the ball, he can't be forward, and that's what happened in this game. And actually, I had a very quickly, I had a good conversation with the guy at work. who's um, he's actually a rugby league ref? But he talks about how many players uh, really disadvantage their team because they get used to this kind of prop up and, and pass the ball and they stop. Mm. It's a very Benji Marshall type thing. You kind of like almost like you're stepping the other way and you, and you pull up well, you and push the ball your goes forward. Out. Yeah, but the ball the ball then does look like it goes forward, but it's because you've basically you've thrown it right back but stopped and so the ball then clearly goes in front of you and so it actually looks more like it's gone forward but in this case Brayden inora is running forward he delivers the ball he outruns the pass so it moves backwards relative to him i don't see how that can be a forward pass in any situation
1: yeah it's really well, <laughs> surprising that and there was this thing we had nick berry referee it was this awarded game, wasn't it and it was, was awarded and, then and the and the sideline judge was in line with that last pass as well if you go to the replay No one pulled up anything, and then suddenly we get this thing that apparently is, as far as I've been told and read up on, TMOs are now not supposed to interrupt games with these sort of checks. They're supposed to wait until they're called upon by the on-field officials. Check check
2: for foul play only. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And we got this this situation where Nick Berry had awarded a try, and then goes, oh, we're, we're just going back to you for this check-check, and was like, okay, this is not foul play, but the Murray's Yonke comes on and goes, I'm going to show you a forward pass, and then yeah. shows it, and then he goes, the pass is clearly forward, you need to change your decision. And it's not, you, I think you could even see potentially on Nick Berry's face, he was sort of watching the replay and being, and looked a little bit confused, and he didn't say like, okay, that's a forward pass, so I need to reverse the decision. He was just, Doing exactly what the TMO has said, and he's like, "Okay, I can't go against what you've told me now." It's no try.
2: Yeah. Well, you know what? I reckon. I reckon he could. Like, I know. I know it would be very, very awkward. But the the rest have to be confident enough to turn around and go, "Hang on, can you explain this to me? I disagree that that pass to me because that's the whole point. This system is set up so there's transparency. Mm. They talk about their their view. And he hasn't yeah. really done that. Like he's called the try. He ha- if he, ha- I, I didn't see this part of the replay with the reviews. But if he hasn't seen it and it and it gets fed to him, he su- often they explain their view on the field. I can see this. I Yeah, can see that's that, it. Therefore. That's what struck me. And then different. they check their logic with mm. the TMO. And yeah. TMOs they're kind of with a rule book going. Yeah. Okay. If I need to. Yeah. That's that's that works out. And if that hasn't been followed, you imagine.
0: You'd imagine, though, with the crowd there at Newlands, he's trying to make a decision or judge a decision by looking at the screen. He doesn't. He doesn't have the benefit of sitting in front of a, a laptop no, with an right. HD screen in front of him, and he's probably reluctant a little bit to judge something based on a screen that he's looking at the big screen a bit further away. Yeah. Um, and go against what he's being told in his ear. So you can see why he didn't speak. Yeah, that. I, I, but I could see Angus Gardner, for example, might have done this differently. Maybe he would have said, oh, look, I thought it was a try. It's not clearly forward. Maybe he would have spoken up, but I can see how it would be difficult in that situation to to mm-hmm. go against what the team I was telling you. Um, and like you say, actually, he hasn't been asked to actually check it at all. So why is he intervening?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Why yeah. is this kind of... Yeah, it's wrong. And we and we've had we've had this discussion already last week about South African referees and, you know penalties going against these away teams and yet it continues in the same vein. Mm-hmm. So, it's not a good look um, whether they just say, well, you're not allowed to intervene like that. That's, that shouldn't be...
1: I, you know, I thought they had
0: Yeah, maybe but, they just need to make that clear mm-hmm. again. But, yeah, it's not a good look and hopefully they address it in some capacity. Yeah.
1: Look, for the majority of this game, it was a really even contest and it was a well-fought contest. Sia uh, Khaleesi's first try striking straight through the middle of first plays off the line out was like an amazing run um, that I don't think I've seen many people slide through the Crusaders like that uh, and then they just kept in touch with penalties and they really held the Crusaders at bay for a lot of this game so well done to the Stormers for holding this team and this is a team that look the Crusaders had have, have had a couple of draws, um, one of which was the cancelled game earlier in the season but I believe this is the first one where they actually had Moanga starting at 10. Uh, he hasn't experienced a loss with the Crusaders for a long time. Um, mm. And so yeah. that's, that's a testament to how well the Stormers are actually playing in this second half of the season.
0: Definitely, because there's a little asterisk against these games, like against the Waratahs, um, you know, where Moanga wasn't even involved. So mm. it's, um, it's Stormers, again, unpredictable. They seem to rise to the occasion when we don't expect them to. Um, Crusaders won at altitude very well against a, a good Bulls team. Um, and the Storm is able to do this. So, regardless of this decision at the end of the game or, you know, in terms of that try, I, I think, you know, it's pretty well deserved by them. And again, South and Conference, it's still up for grabs. And it's what we like to see actually at the moment. It keeps things interesting yeah. in these last four, four weeks.
1: Definitely. That's all from Super Rugby. Uh, we did have the start of the Pacific showcase in Rapid Rugby over the weekend with Fiji Latui versus the Samoa kikifa uh, And that was out of Fiji. And that was, I think, what, if you watch the highlights at least, you can see that's what they wanted to see and what they expect out of Rapid Rugby. This was a really high-scoring, potent game with two teams that were willing to run it from anywhere. Uh, Fiji did have the power try in this one, but Samoa just kept at them and uh, they were behind. Fiji were behind with the final whistle going in. Um, had to score after the final buzzer to to win this and managed to do it, um, winning this one 38-32.
0: I think the hardest thing for me with this game, not that I saw anything but the highlights but actually getting a feel with the players and who's going to actually fit into that, maybe the Fiji World Cup squad. Mm. You know How many of these players are actually going to feature, I I couldn't tell you. Um, So maybe just getting a bit more education around that and who's going to come into selections and who's playing overseas, so we get a bit of a better idea, particularly as Australians, considering we're playing Fiji in the World Cup game. It'd be nice to be a lot more familiar um, with some of these guys.
1: Yeah, and hopefully we'll get a bit more sort of broadcasting of that, and hopefully next week when the force head to Fiji to play them as well, um, we'll see a bit more of a challenge and probably learn a little bit more about these players as well. Well, let's do it. We've only got a couple rounds of Super Rugby left. Uh, It's round 15. Let's get into it and we'll start on Friday night. And the Reds are heading overseas, heading to Waikato to verse this Chiefs team that I don't know whether they're going to bring their A game again or whether the Reds will be able to continue on this momentum that they've sort of been playing well. What do you think, Toby?
0: Again, really hard to pick. We had a lot of really close games to pick last week. Um... Reds are playing quite well, and the Chiefs, like we see, they, they're up and down, they're, they're missing players, but you never write them off. I think if this had been Queensland, would have happily gone with the Reds. I think the fact that it's in Waikato, I think the Chiefs will still be desperate uh, for a win. The Reds don't particularly travel that well. Um, they've come close a few times in New Zealand, but haven't quite done it, I don't think, unless I'm mistaken this year, but... Um, look, I'm going to take the Chiefs. I think it'll be a really narrow victory, though.
2: Yeah, similar reasons. I, th- I think it's a very close game. Both teams um, only sort of four or five wins this year um, really should be fairly evenly matched. It, it really depends for me uh, what this Chiefs lineup looks like. I, I assume I know what the Reds look like. I don't think they're carrying too many uh, injuries. And I don't think, well, unless it's time to... Give Samu Kerevi a rest. Who knows? Um, I think the Chiefs in their house sh- should do it, but I think it'll be a narrow margin.
1: Yeah, I probably agree with you, boys. There, uh, next game, and this is the game I'm looking forward to: the Brumbies at home facing that Bulls team that just uh, took apart the Rebels a little bit. But the Brumbies undefeated at home this season and off the bye. Can they do it against the Bulls?
2: Oh, off the bye. I was really confident until you said that. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think, again, a full-strength Brumby side who've, who've seen the Bulls um, do the Rebels the previous week, um, it's kind of like I think they, they got a bit of a, a, a look at another team like this earlier in the season who played up against the Waratahs, which I remember who it was might have been the Sunwolves shocking the Waratahs or something yeah, like that. Right. They, they, they keep getting this run where they get to see a team come in and upset an Australian team and go, all right, that's what they do. Okay, well, let's um, let's plan and strategize to, to combat that. I think the Brumbies at full strength can do this, but I'm expecting this to be a, a really uh, interesting, exciting game. I think it'll be a, a good contest. Top Two top of the conferences again.
1: No, I think you're right. Um, Brumbies just seem like they've they've put it together at the moment. They've got the right mix between their forward play, which should be strong enough to hold up against that big Bulls pack, um, mixing that in with a little bit of flair with their backline that seem to be connecting with, obviously Lilya and TK playing really well at the moment and Banks if he continues with that great penalty kicking then, uh, then I think that they should they should take this one.
0: Yeah, Brumby's really smart team and. I'm really interested to see what their lineup looks like, who they get back in there for this game, because it's a huge game. What do you got
2: there? Win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. Bulls are due the for a loss. The nah. Bulls are going on win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. So, due for a loss.
0: For me, I think the the Brumbies, really smart team, and I, I think this game's going to be one in the forwards. I, I do think that the Brumbies do have you know, enough abrasiveness and enough tight play that they can actually hold the Bulls out. Um, I think they'll be well prepared for this one. Hopefully they welcome back a few more of their star players. I'd like to see um, Simone still in number 12 there, hopefully. He's been playing pretty well at the moment. TK to continue that form. I do think the Brumbies can get it done, but I think, yeah, like you say, it's going to be one of the games of the round and it's a very important game for the Brummies to, to keep atop of this conference.
1: Mm-hmm. Next game will go and it's Saturday afternoon and it's Sunwolves at, back at home in Prince Chipu Stadium and hosting the Rebels that have headed up there and I'm calling this right now, I think this is a little bit of a trap game for the Rebels. I really hope that they put a full strength team up on here. Uh, this is a time you can get Matt Tamur maybe a little bit more game time in this, getting back into it, but you want to make sure you're in front early and you're leading this team because this just feels like a game where the Rebels might be feeling like they can take it easy a little bit, uh, that they should be able to get an easy win after a disappointing loss last week. But I think the Sunwolves could really take the fight to them.
0: Yeah, I just think that there's been too many instances of the Sunwalls shocking teams. I don't think the Rebels will be under any illusions playing in Tokyo is going to be easy, particularly coming off that loss against the Bulls. It's all or nothing now for them. I hope they don't rest their players. I think they really need their full-strength team out here. I'm expecting a lot of points in this one. I think they can do, you know, 40 points or something like that. Who knows what their defense is going to be like. They do need to step up, though, against a Sunwolves team that can still cut you apart um, at a moment's notice. So I'm taking the Rebels. I'm pretty confident with this one. I think they'll bounce back.
2: Yeah, I'm going to take the Rebels as well. Um, Again, like Toby said, I think... They're, they've had too many losses recently. They can't afford to be complacent. They're they're desperate to win every game now, regardless of the opposition. Uh, if they can if they can bring the full strength side and play well, definitely there's an outcome where both teams score a lot of points. But I I wonder if uh, if they're not strong enough mentally, if this becomes a bit of a kind of forcing the issue, trying to trying to force out a win, whether they'll be you know a few errors and a bit disjointed they'll get the win but it won't be that high scoring more like a um you know 18 to 18 to 20 or something or even no less than that probably like i'm thinking lowest lower totals just in case just if it all sort of falls apart and they have to really um grind it out i'm not confident that they're slick at the moment and that they'll run up 40 points
1: sorry I was looking at something else. <laughs> I was trying to look at what the points scored. In yeah, yeah,
0: interesting, yeah.
1: And I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be talking. <laughs> Next game, a bit later on that Saturday afternoon, the Crusaders returning from South Africa and they get to host the Blues at home. Uh, I think they'll be definitely disappointed and looking to bounce back after another draw in 2019.
0: Yeah, look, really disappointing, I think, from a Crusaders' perspective that they didn't get two from two on tour. Blues will be buoyant based on their win last week, but I think the Crusaders will have too much for them, particularly down in Christchurch. I think it'll be a really entertaining game, though. I think the Blues will really take it to them. just think there's too much class and the combinations are too strong across that Crusaders team. So, yeah, bounce-back game for them. I think they'll do really well, and I think it'll be an exciting one.
2: The Crusaders are just too good. Assuming they play a full-strength side and don't do anything too bizarre, but I think it's be a comfortable win for them at home.
1: Yeah, great, definitely taking the Crusaders. This next game is another one that I'm really, really excited for, and that's the Waratahs coming back home and taking on the Hagiwaras that obviously had that big win over the Hurricanes. And this is out at the Bankwest Stadium out in Parramatta for New South Wales. And uh, hopefully they get a few more fans out there because this is of two teams that can play some cracking rugby and play some really expansive play, and it seems to seems to happen uh, in the last few weeks for the, the Waratahs as well as the Warriors.
2: Yeah, Waratahs really need to s- string a couple of wins together here. They've only done two. They've only had two wins in, in a row once this season. It's been very on and off, and this streaky run recently. Good win against the Reds. They they need to back it up against a good team. Um, the new stadium, you know, it's got all the facilities. It's a great, it's a great looking stadium. Is it going to feel like home yet? Well, hopefully, a few Waratahs fans get out there and pack it out. Um, they, they need this win. I think they I think they do get it. I think it's a very narrow margin, though. I think it'll be the skin of their teeth, but hopefully enough to give them a bit more momentum into the final three rounds.
0: So they played their first game at Bank West against the Rebels in there, and they beat the Rebels. Is that correct?
1: No, so they played their first game there against the Sharks, and they lost against
2: the Sharks. Sharks. Lost. Their second okay, game. Okay, so that's not a yeah. good
0: omen. They played badly in their game. I'm just trying to... It's been
2: four weeks since they, they were they there. Performed. Hmm. Okay. So they, they went on tour and then they came back via the Reds. Really, I mean they probably went back to Sydney, but they they've been up to the Reds since. So this mm. is their four four weeks since they played a home game, and their last game was a loss to the Sharks. But okay. know
0: obviously they got the Brumbies there in a couple of weeks' time. I think it's a really good stadium apparently to watch rugby. So mm. I'd urge everyone to get along there. And two teams that are going to throw the ball around. Aguaras are probably one of the most exciting teams you'll see play. With ball in hand at the moment, and they they showed that against the Hurricanes. Again, I think they, you know, the fact that they got a win um, has put the Waratahs on notice a little bit. I'm sure they wouldn't be taking them lightly anyway, but it does show how dangerous they are. I think the Waratahs at home here, I do think they can um, string a couple of wins together for the second time this season. I'm going to take them. I think it'll be a tight one. Take the Tars by five.
1: We'll See, I think I just believe in the Haguaris a little bit too much. I'm pretty sure I'm going to take them here. Um, The only way that I think I won't is if they do play a little bit of an understrength team, potentially looking at this game as maybe not such an easy win and maybe resting some guys so they can really go hard against the Reds the week after. But I think the Haguaris are going to cause some issues for the Waratahs because they're so strong up front and yet they're going to be able to match um, a lot of the backs man for man. Mm. Next game and second last one of the round, we head back over to Cape Town and the Stormers uh, back at home and the Highlanders finishing off their South African tour after that disappointing loss in Jo'burg get to head down to Cape Town.
2: Flip a coin, boys. Yeah, it's a tough one. Stormers say... as well, like Stormers have been undeserving winners in my mind multiple times. So with yeah. yeah, a bit I, of I referee assistance, anything team. could happen. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm going to go the home team as well. Unfortunately, I really Highlanders are my my backup team. I really think they've got a lot to offer, but it's, Stormers seem to just get get wins at home, whatever whatever method it comes by. I I, Two. I I would much rather see the Hurricane uh, the Highlanders win this one, sorry.
0: Do we see Ben Smith come back in this one or he's not fit yet? He's still
2: out, isn't I he? I don't think so. It's only yeah, been a I think he's weeks. key
0: to that to that team. I, I've been impressed with Josh Iwani, but I think he needs the support of someone like Ben Smith there. Mm-hmm. Um, that back line has been again, there've been a lot of changes throughout that back line, guys shifting around. Fords I have a lot of faith in, but I still think the the Stormers forward pack strong enough to combat that and they've got some pretty strong combinations out in their back line and playing at Newlands after drawing with the Crusaders, I think they'll be confident and I think they can they can do this
1: I think you're probably right and, and odds are definitely with the Storms at the moment but they are pretty narrow, despite as you say, Joshua only playing well, having Matt Faddis who's been playing well, but I don't think he quite gives that other sort of elusive sort of aspect to the game in that second sort of playmaker role, as much as we've seen mm. with like a Ben Smith. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I think you're right. I think you, you've got to take the Stormers here at the, for this game.
2: Last History g- on these two teams, just quickly, is pretty much the home team wins. Yeah. So, yeah. very, very rare. Yeah, two teams have play very well so at home.
1: Um, yeah, so they are
2: home, home, hometown bullies.
1: Yeah. Final game of the round and back to Durban and a South African conference derby and it's been a few weeks since we've had one of these uh, so I'm I excited for this one It's tipping. Um, it's the Sharks versus the Lions, number two versus number three in the table for them at the moment. So another difficult one left.
2: I find myself leaning towards the Lions. I don't know. I mean, they've got they've got more wins on the season. They they. They stood up last week. They beat a, a Highlanders team that you know came at them, scored a few points, um, but it's it's a complete it's a complete lottery ticket for mine. Like the Sharks have, uh, the Sharks have actually been better. If they're still playing Co and Bosch at ten, actually I probably should be tipping them. Um, but we're gonna have to wait and see the lineup come out. I'd, I would be less confident if they're playing Robert Dupree at ten. If they play Co and Bosch, I think I'd actually go Sharks
1: the definition of like 50-50 analysis there. I'm taking the Lions. Actually, now I think about it, I'm taking the Sharks.
2: Well, back, but in these derbies when we've seen them play the other South African sides earlier in the season, and it was a slightly different arrangement of, of players, I think they, the Sharks have been a bit better uh, with Kerwin Bosch mm. at fly half. So I don't know how long that's going to last, though. I, I thought it was kind of a... A temporary change to give Robert Dupre's his, his rest, but maybe it's not. So, um, uh, look at the lineup. A
0: I think it's a long term change because Dupree is moving on to South Sharks, and I think I think so too. But
2: his dad's the coach,
0: transitioning. Yeah, and they, there were calls that he was kind of starting him too often, favoring to his sons. Their. No, yeah, well, <laughs> I think all three of them now are going to Sal. I'm not sure yeah. whether I thought it was just two, maybe dad is all three are going. Um, possibly. So dad's got, done, he, done his water. job
1: he's, he's got his sons a new gig Over in high bank Europe A Rome. lot more money
0: probably yeah. Exactly this, this game's really hard to pick Both these teams have warmed really well into the season The Sharks coming off the bye may hurt them a little bit mm-hmm. um, I think Lions have been you know, Getting some really good ascendancy So I see them as a bit of a threat At the moment um, But A lot of quality across both these teams You've got Quagga Smith going nuts uh, Kerwin Bosch, you know, playing really well. I think it's a bit of a flip the coin game. I probably are going to uh, go with the Lions, to be honest. Lions by three. I think Sharks, even at home, it's going to be really tight. Um, but I think it'll be a really good
2: game, actually. Both these teams playing well. Sharks off the bye. It's got to be the Lions. I'm changing again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's a few key players that I want to see. Like, I think if Whiteley gets back for the Lions, that's a big bolster for them. Um, but then in the same regard, if the Sharks have their full complement of forwards and they play a big centre like Estherhausen still there, that really helps them. I've been really impressed with the Sharks locks with Hiron and Andrews and Ruin Boiter as well. The two pretty dynamic, um, big ball running locks that you'd normally expect to see from the Lions. So yeah, it's a Sharks little a bit...
0: really good forward pack. Yeah. They've got really strong ball runners. That's so it's so hard to pick. Mm-hmm. Um, probably Lions is a bit more mobile.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think it may be a fact that if the Sharks keep it tighter and push them through the forwards, that, that's probably their, their path to winning this game. Yeah. Well, that's all pretty much we have for you guys this week. Uh, so that's round 15. Only a couple of rounds left, so make sure you're tuning into these because it's really setting up a really crazy and really interesting playoff picture for us. As I said previously... Check out our sites on social media, uh, Facebook, at The Running Rugby Podcast, as well as Instagram. Get voting on those uh, Your Wallaby Team polls. And also make sure to tune into Twitter as well, at The Running Rugby Pod. Uh, If you don't subscribe and you just randomly clicked on this episode, make sure to click on subscribe, whatever you listen on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're on all the major platforms. Uh, Click five stars, click submit. We'd love to see some of those reviews coming through as well.
2: A very interesting weekend ahead. Um, lots of games difficult to pick and uh, there's a lot of recovering to do after having a, a perfect round and then following it up last week with two out of six got some ground to make up I think the, the ladders are looking very tight Arch, I've, I've caught up to you in the rugby in the podcast table I think we're, we're fourth and fifth now yeah I'm um, <laughs> I, was, I was getting flogged what's going on like my Australian favorite team one. I'm
1: going with the full rebels tilt at the end of the season just ah <laughs> uh, that's not great
0: You're overthinking it mate I think a little bit but three three or four rounds to go
2: Keep on running run to go. Yep. Good job. Not
0: bad. Not bad.
2: <laughs> so Good
0: ethical. size. Not bad.
2: <laughs> You're a weirdo.